fuck Twitch, Jeff Bezos, fucking Amazon. And you know what? And let me just, let me expand, let me broaden my fuck you here and make it more general. To these fucking putts, fucking software people that use like these stupid paradigms that I know are stupid, that don't apply to anything else in the world, but for whatever reason they're sacred cows, right? Like this idea that, oh no, we're not going to build that feature because it costs its engineer effort and we're not sure people want it, right? When it's just basic shit. It's just basic shit that you would expect fucking software to, like just basic shit. And they fucking make you, they make you question your sanity sometimes, right? You know, we're talking about our YouTube collaborative pit playlist. Someone wouldn't want to fucking reorder the fucking playlist collaboratively. Like that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Of course they would, but I know exactly what happened. Someone wrote up the product spec, a bunch of ideas, and then that one crossed out because it's too hard. And we don't know if users want that. Dude, have some fucking chest and imagine that a user wants what you can fucking imagine a user wants. It's just so fucking, it's these bizarre paradigms. People take it as like, it's just a sacred cow. You cannot ever like, and you know what? That's, it's leading me to the path of making my own software and not ever listening to anyone ever again. Fuck you guys. Fuck the world. We've expanded the, we've broadened the fucking like fuck you to the whole world. Okay. All right, I'm done. I'm here. No, I'm here for it. <laughs> keep, keep, that, keep that energy. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, cheers. I'm done. Your mission should be designed to accept it. Are we just rolling? We're just rolling. We're just rolling now. We're just rolling. Yeah. Yeah. So, go ahead. Like, this stuff is part of an interesting, like, wave of rock and roll that's been happening for the last 15 years. Like, in my head, this starts, like, in that, like, early 2000s, like, Jay Retard, again, OCs, right? They're like 2008 album, the, the Master's Bedroom is with Spending a Night In. That album is amazing. And it's this like kind of subtle, like low tone recording. And there's stuff in here that I hear. I'll open it up and say Ariel Pink. Like some of the, the thing that I was thinking about is that his earlier stuff varies a lot between the melody through the song Whereas these guys hone in on a similar melody. If you they get in on a groove, they get more yeah. on a groove where yeah. you never know what the fuck's going to happen in an AP song. Like it could, yeah, it could yeah. just go it into go <laughs> any number of places. Yeah. yeah. But, but these guys have the groove of that sound and they haven't done really well. Yeah. That's one thing that I think that really, and I, I think I'm impressed by these guys in four or five different ways, and I, we don't have to get into all of them, but one of the things that really does it for me with this one is that there are a lot of bands out there who, if they were this kind of repetitive and this kind of like simplistic with some of their stuff, I would be really bored by it pretty quickly. And Holy Wave has just like this way of sticking with that same like the same basic groove that they're on and yet they 
I don't know, like they just have a way of very subtly building it to where I, it just keeps my interest the whole time and I don't ever find myself being like resentful of the fact that it has gone on like the same-ish for so long because they do it so well, but it's so subtle and I'm explaining it poorly. Yeah. Do you hear like Chris Isaac at all or? Yeah. Especially in this song? For sure. So what I, I think the first listen, the first listen to this one was interesting. I first listened to this one, I was like a little underwhelmed, but I didn't hear it in good speakers, like just like in here, which I've got some like little shitty speakers here. And the way my, the way what I use to play music works is like, it, it will just go to the next album. Like when the first album is done, if I have another album by same artist, it'll just go to the next one. And yeah. it went to the next one. And I like the next one better on that initial listen from just, again, from a variety standpoint. It all blended together for me on that first listen. And then I listened to it in the car and where I have a lot better speakers, it's a lot more immersive and it felt a lot better. Like I could hear more. I could hear more stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on. This is yeah. a wall of sound. It is. And one of the things that like that really helped me understand this was to seeing them live. Yeah. Because here's what happened. They started and Kyle was on like the keyboard or whatever keyboard type instrument he had. And then Ryan and Joey were on guitar and they actually their bass player moved to Sweden. So the, the guy from the opening band was filling in on bass. But throughout that show, I would turn over to like Chris and I would like or I would like look down and like look back up. And they had completely switched it to yeah. where Kyle was suddenly holding a guitar and then Joey suddenly had a keyboard. And I was like, when these people say that they're multi-instrumentalists, they mean it in like the most full sense of the word possible. They were just constantly like putting other instruments down, picking ones up. And it wasn't just changing guitars. It was changing like from a keyboard to a guitar and then back and then vice versa. And it was just like, my God, there is so much packed in here. And it made more sense. It was just like, oh, this is how you create such an amazing sound. What's their relationship with levitation? Is it seems like they're all over the levitation like festival. Do they have some, do they run it? Do they have some ownership of it or something? Or are they just like very tightly, they're just an Austin band and they're going to yeah, be in the Austin festival. I haven't seen anything that indicates anything more than that. Because they're on everyone and I feel like they get top billing or close to top billing like on as I've seen the set list from the previous ones. I feel like they're like... I'm pretty sure that, I think, again, the lack of information online makes it hard to I say know, dude. Me, but <laughs> I don't think they're running it or in charge of it. I think that it's, my sense is that it's more just like a collective of interested fans that all do it. I could be wrong, but that's the sense I get. I don't think that they're like running the show by themselves. Yeah, it's, yeah. Needless to say, I'm super stoked. Like they had evil hits in 2013, they had relax in 2014, and the evil has landed part two in 2015. So like they're basically relate releasing an album a year. A year, yeah. In, in that first part, and like those three were all very much like the kind of like the initial like very um, new psych type stuff. It all had that very similar sound to it, and it's not until this album that they started to modernize a little bit. 
But adult fear like got real different in a certain way. And then Interloper, I've got a song from uh, Interloper on there, which is really interesting. So they've like really started to switch up their sound a lot, but they've done it in a way that manages to still be really good, which I think is also incredibly impressive because I have complained and been sad about how the fact that my favorite bands, it seems there's a tendency for them to start off great, strong start, they're a little rough at the beginning, and then they start polishing their sound, and they get really good. Deer Hunters one, I can think of some others, but they eventually will get to a point where it's like, oh, what is this? I don't, I'm not sure. Whatever Kate LeBon is purporting to do for them lately, I don't <laughs> love, I don't love it. Got it. I, and I think it's I know amazing. <laughs> And I think it's amazing that they have, like, with Adult Fear, was that the one you're talking about, Alonzo, Adult Fear? Yes. Yeah, that they have a very different sound. Yes. It's not wildly different, but it's modernized, and it's, like, noticeably different, mm -hmm. and they still did it, like, so good. And I didn't mind it at all. It was still great, which I think, for me, I'm just yeah. super picky. So, so for this to happen, I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> great. This, so, by the way, this song right here, I think is my favorite song on the record. This is a beautiful song, and there's a little bit, I think there's a little bit more variety in it compared to the other ones, at least it feels like to me, like the drums change a little bit here and there. I hear a little bit of, of Kevin Parker in the vocals too. It reminds me of Kevin Parker. <sighs> Definitely. Yeah. Another band that I thought about with these guys is like old R.E.M. And I, I think I put in like in the after party, I put in the song, what's it called? South Central Rain, I think. It's the one where he's like, I'm sorry. And it's like super jangly and... Yeah, it's South Central Rain. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a cool song. Kitty turned me on to... I, I don't know what your history is with R.E.M., but like when we were growing up, it was like Orange Crush time around that time. And Kitty turned me on to all the older stuff. I Believe, that song, I Believe. I don't know. R.E.M. got a bunch of great songs. and. I feel like their older stuff is a little bit more, I don't know, it has more of a kind of, I wouldn't call them punk, but more of an indie, more of a low-key feel. It's kind of more about the songs and, and less about an elaborate production. Although I do like their, what's their record? <sighs> what's their kind of more electronic sounding record that came out when we were in high school, Ryan? I think you bought it. I think you bought it, and but I don't know that we really listened to it very much. I don't think we gave it a fair chance. New Adventures in Hi-Fi, I think is what it was called. Yeah, I don't remember that You don't that remember that? I, maybe you didn't buy it. I don't know. Someone I knew had that yeah, CD. Yeah, that was 96. Yeah, I don't think I had that. Okay. I don't know. If, if I did have it, I did. I was we didn't fuck with it. I know that. I know that. We were thinking Orange Crush or something like that, and... What I remember yeah. is like we were thinking it was that, and then it wasn't that at all. But it's actually really good. Yeah, I think doc Document is maybe the furthest I really spent any time up to this point. Yeah. Uh, going back into REM. Yeah. I guess Out of Time was 91. Yeah. I had that for sure. That was probably that or Green may have been my first rem album yeah that, i probably bought out of time and then found green somewhere that i remember that cover yeah yeah 
What do you guys? But yeah, the, early, the very early stuff. I don't have much, and yeah, green is orange crush. So yeah, yeah. I just I feel like they were a little bit. They rocked a little bit harder when we were growing up, or when we were of that age, compared to before. Yeah. Also, I didn't have the pensive energy that I would acquire later in life to really appreciate early R.E.M. Did we? So. Did we listen to some pensive stuff? Come on, man. We did. Give us some credit here. <laughs> I'm not saying you know that that felt like another level that I hadn't achieved. <laughs> you know what? It's funny. This brings me back. This brings me back to a, a distinct memory I had. But like, I fell into at some point. This was after high school. I had a really like I was into like Jamiroquai and other kind of like very I don't know funky 70s sounding type stuff or even discoy type stuff. And I remember I think you were living with Jordan Pratt. And Maybe. I think so. I think so. And I remember like we were jamming out to that shit in the car and he was riding in the back and he was just so, so he turned off. <laughs> so yeah. He was just not like, fuck, it. this shit is garbage. Shout out to Jordan Pratt. I, I, I learned a lot sure. about metal from Jordan. Dude. His favorite band uh, was Kiss and fuck Kiss. But beyond that, we like he turned me on to a lot yeah. of cool shit for sure. No, I, yeah, that was the avenue where I, I Really got to appreciate Led Zeppelin for a bit, and and definitely heard like I Hate God for the first time through those guys, right, right. which like still to this day I enjoy the shit out of. Yeah, what do you guys think about this first track? This was on my cut, by the way. I um, love this track. It it is yeah. tied with it is tied with um, Western Playland for like my favorite. But here's the thing: the mm -hmm. first time I heard it, I was like. All right, all right, let me back up because in sequence this doesn't make sense. Mm. I think I told you guys last time that like the way I got onto them is that I was listening to a playlist of bands at Levitation. Mm -hmm. And first, actually, Schmetterling came on, which is from Interloper, their newest one that just came out in 2020. And I stopped and was like, oh, that's a, that's a really cool sound, but I don't know if the song is my favorite. It, it's just cool. I'm interested. Right. But then 10 songs later, Western Playland came on and I just stopped what I was doing and walked over, whipped my head around, walked over to the phone and was like, what is this? That's how instantly in love with that song I was. And so I was like, all right, let me put on the whole album. And this one came on first and I was like, I'm going to dig this album. This is a cool sound, but like the song's like a little, it's a little understated. At first it didn't catch me. But the more I listened to this one and the more I listened to it like in the car and heard all like the little things that are happening, like now I just love it. I love it. You could say, one could say they put a seed in your ear. It's finished. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's no, I, is what I'm trying to say, you know? <laughs> it is. And it's a great introduction to the album because it's such a, it, it's such a cool sound to just ride on. It, it just puts you in such a perfect mood to like, Actually, it varies throughout the album in interesting ways. And it's just, yeah, this is like a nice... It's it's more of a bluesy, bluesy riff like than yeah. basically all the other stuff. It's interesting to me because there's a lot of rock bands that like to start the album with the bluesier sounding, like harder sounding song sometimes. The Lemon Twigs album. What's the name of the first song? It's it rocks a little harder. The vocalist is the kind of evil brother. Fuck, I'm trying. Yeah. To... Hell on Wheels. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hell on Wheels, which is a little bit of a harder riff, a little bit more of a bluesy thing. I've no, I've noticed I've noticed that trend. Like, 
One of my favorite records of the 70s is the Marquee Moon by Television. Okay? And the first song, which I'm also forgetting the name of, Jesus fucking Christ, fucking old. But it's one of those that, it's my least favorite song on the record, and thank God I kept listening to it after that. Because, see no evil. Because the rest of the record yeah. is, like, impeccable. Like, the rest of the record's, like, beautiful. Every song is fucking amazing. If the record started with Venus, I would not be, I wouldn't complain whatsoever. It's just like more bluesy, in your face, and it just doesn't work for me. I don't know. These are art rock guys. Like, they went to NYU, I think, and then they're coming out with some phony baloney, like, blues rock shit. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I think I, that one grew on me over time. I was not into it at first, but I, it, yeah, I think it sets a nice tone. And anyway, that. yeah, no, just to tie into this maybe larger trend that I'm trying to identify here, trying to kick their ass. Like, right off the bat. Uh, not to say that song is trying to kick our asses exactly, but <laughs> it's trying to get us in the vibe. But I feel like it's a little bit catchier, bluesier of a riff. Well, it's almost even Beatles-y. Yeah, like yeah. old it's school like early, Beatles-y. Yeah, early Beatles-y, for sure. Eight Days a Week, maybe, is what I'm thinking. Maybe. Yeah, which one is it? Is it Ticket to... No, wait. Ticket to Ride? Is that the one I'm thinking? Ticket to Ride? It's uh, like, dun, dun. At the beginning where it's yes. like... Yes. Yeah. No, I think I, you're right. I you're, might be missing it up. You're right. There, there's one of those There's one of those fucking songs. Yeah. That has you know the, which and, one I mean. Yes, I know. Even if neither I one know. of us can identify it. It's okay. I can't identify any song right now, apparently. Dude, I'm just fucking sure. like, just over, man. I don't know anything. I can't remember anyone. But yeah, like the more I've listened to this album, and I have listened to it a lot, it I just stop from time to time and think, man, what a solid choice for an opener. And they that that belonged there. That was it. That do, was the right. Do they that. open yeah. concerts with that song sometimes? Yeah, or? they they opened this one with it, and I was okay. like, also a good choice. Yeah, like way to <laughs> way to get us into it. Although it was an interesting set list, and not necessarily the one I would have expected. So, hmm. and it's not like it was like good or bad. It was just like. It's always interesting to me, like, what bands think their singles are going to be or their big hits are going to be, and then what ends up being popular versus what my picks on the album are. And I'm always, like, constantly fascinated by how those things often don't line up. But, yeah, no, it's cool. It, it was still, like, a great show. I enjoyed it so thoroughly. So can you please so, give yeah. us, like, all the kind of behind-the-scenes VIP yeah. treatment, like, details of going to the show and all that? Yeah, here's what happened. Like, we rolled in there, and we were a little behind schedule because we stopped and picked up my friend Gary and Elton on the way, but uh, mm -hmm. we went, we, we popped across the street to, there's a taco place there that when we, it's right across from Union Transfer, really close in that vicinity, and it's outdoors. They have a really cool outdoor space. So we were just carrying up and eating tacos and pounding drinks, and we're like, all right, like, let's do this. And we got back, and like we watched the show, and then afterwards, Beforehand, when I had time, I was milling around. I was looking at the merch table because I really wanted to buy a shirt or something. I want to support. They've had a hard year. No one's toured. It's, right. You know? Yeah. And I was looking at all the shirts and I was like, oh man, they're all white. And Chris was like, so what? Get one. I was like, no, you don't understand. A I white, food too a much. white t shirt? White That's definitely. White t shirts to me are like, <laughs> I can't. I'm going to ruin it. You white know, I t shirts? Need, I need to wear black. White t shirts become undershirts eventually. No matter what. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just a matter of time. And I was like, eh, maybe next time, or maybe I'll see what else I have online. The show is fantastic. Not only were they just completely 
switching up instruments the whole time and just had a really nice mix of like slow songs but also like hard hard songs hard jams like a really nice variety and i don't know if you guys noticed this on this album but they also switch vocalists too like they have this very um laissez-faire attitude towards whoever can sing a song the best gets to sing it hmm. so they're all taking turns on that too shit uh, i wouldn't have been able to tell yeah. you that yeah I, I couldn't i didn't notice that at all <laughs> Wow. Yep. That's cool. Well, we're going to wow. watch. Wow. They have a very collaborative attitude, which I think helps. That's why they've, okay, so they've been friends since they were like kids, some of them, and since they were really like in high school and stuff. And there's this part in the doc, I don't know if you caught it, Alonzo, but I've, I've seen it mentioned elsewhere too, that they had a band when they were younger and Kyle kicked Joey out because he didn't know how he to didn't play, know how play. well enough. Yeah. And, and in, a, in a different place, he said, that Ryan was in it for the scene, and he's, man, I, I need you to be good at guitars. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I, and then he's, and then he, he's like, but it worked. I learned guitar, and now, yeah. like, we've been creative. We've been doing it just fine did, in a sense, which did is, they, is adorable. I think also in the doc, it said that they were in two different bands, right? They were in two different bands in El Paso, and they just played a gig together. They just hit it off, and they start playing gigs together basically every time, and then they... Like, like just got together and just made it one big band. They and, Brady bunched it, yeah. And then they went to Austin because, and this is crazy to me, but and it, it makes me feel it weird and about the Albuquerque scene. But they were basically like, look in El Paso, like the stuff we wanted to do, we couldn't be in El Paso. Like there just weren't enough opportunities to play music. And like we would have been driving to Austin constantly yeah, anyway. Yeah, e exactly, play. and. That sucks. I, I, El Paso's not a fucking small city. It, it's pretty fucking big. And I'm, and, and did you hear the part where they said that like you rarely get paid to play shows in El Paso, which I thought that was is crazy. nuts. And that's not Even okay. One, two, three. You will get some money. It'll be fifty bucks. Uh -huh. Get it. A hundred percent. In Albuquerque, it, that is not the way it is. Like you, there are shows where if you're starting out, you can just play and whatever. But no, like you get paid to play shows here. My my friend Jay had a band for a long time and. They played shows at the launch pad and whatever. It was just like, and that was part of the deal. Yeah, I'm really perplexed, honestly, that like that El Paso scene's that fucked that like people can't like even like gig regularly if they have a band. I'm glad they went to Austin because I feel like if they stayed in El Paso, maybe I'd never have heard them. Or sorry, I got that reversed. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, All right. I'm, but okay, so we also in New Mexico, we do have a history of bands that start here and left. And got big. I think most famously, Ryan helped me out here. Suicidal Tendencies? No, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking of them, but did they start in Albuquerque? Suicidal Tendencies did. But. Oh, wow, okay, that's cool. There's an indie band of the last like 20 years that went from Albuquerque to Portland. I know I'm wrong about, sorry, they're Venice Beach, sorry. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty well-known because <laughs> I don't know anything anymore. Oh. The Shins. They uh -huh. started in Albuquerque in 96 and they moved to Portland. Hmm. And there are other bands like that too. Yeah, uh, I, they, I feel they like we get a lot of the LA sound that comes here. Yeah. And sometimes I get confused as to where those guys are from. There's it's a, like they have a Santa Fe vibe, but it's LA sound. Yeah, it's so weird. there's the band Beirut, which I think that they also started in Santa Fe. Yeah, they start in Santa Fe. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm just sorry, I'm reading on Wikipedia. Zach Condon of Beirut studied Portuguese and photography at UNM. 
<laughs> Portuguese. All right. But anyway, yeah, no, it's just, it is interesting to hear. That sucks about El Paso. Like, what, a, like, that blows. Because it's not a, again, it's, I think maybe for people on the East Coast, like, it's just like, you know, it's a bullshit-ass city. No, I think it's a city of half a million people. And back when the board, back when there wasn't such a shit show at the border with, and all this bullshit, between El Paso and Juarez, like, people just moved between there. So it was almost like a kind of metropolitan area that straddled the border. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, that sucks. It sucks that they had to go to Austin. I think that there's, I think they and several other bands there are helping to make it what it is. So it's there, it is what it is because they and other bands are there and are dedicated to keeping it alive. Anyway, so to get back on track, Mm -hmm. so I was always like, oh man, I really wanted to buy a shirt, can't buy a white shirt, but like, right after the show i just swung back by to like double check i was like maybe i'll get a record i'll get something i really want to give them some money yeah and ryan was running the merch booth like by himself but i was like oh and i was like yeah and so i was just talking to him for a little while uh-huh. and i was like ah oh. i was like it was such a great show like you guys i love you and i was just like basically just like being like i'm so glad that we got to see you yeah yeah, yeah and then it came up because then it was just like, oh no, like I'm not from here. We just drove five hours to see this. And I was explaining why the fuck I would do that. And I was like, I really wanted to see you guys. And I don't know if we'll get tickets to see you in Austin. And then this came up and it was yeah. on my birthday. So it was just like, the stars just aligned. And he goes, wait, it's your birthday? And I was like, yeah, but that was not. <laughs> and he was like, no, hold on. And he like digs under like the table and comes out with this shirt. And he's like, yeah. He's I just forgot to put them up. And I was like, I would have. I'll buy that for you. <laughs> yeah. No, it's your birthday. And I don't, here, you guys need to like. It's, yeah, that's it's pretty like, awesome. Cool. It's like the video for, for, shit, what is it? The video for Sir Isaac Newcomb, but it reminds me of that. Anyway, so he gave it to me and I was like, but I'll pay you money. He's like, no, it's your birthday. Have this shirt. And I was like, I'm buying an album then. He's like, fine, buy an album. Like, you're getting the shirt for free. So I was like, wow, what a fucking nice dude. We went outside and we were just hanging around outside with Gary and Kyle comes out. And then so like, we started talking to him mm-hmm. and it was like, like, eventually the whole like story Chris mentioned that he's, oh yeah, it's her birthday. And I was like, don't fucking tell people. <laughs> And Kyle was like, oh shit, like happy birthday. And then we started talking about how, like, I was like, yeah, I just told Ryan, like, we came to see this one because we're not sure we'll get to see you in Austin. I really wanted to see you guys this year. And he was like, what? And I was like, the show sold out before I, like, got to it. It's fine. I'm on, like, the, the wait list. Something will probably work out. It's mm-hmm. not a big deal. I'm not, like, saying that to make you feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, no. He's like, here's my phone number. He's like, when you get to Austin, text me. And if there's any space on the guest list, we'll see what we can do. Or if nothing else, like, maybe we can just hang out. And I was like, just, I have friends who are in bands. And tour is hard. Yeah. You are driving around for days on end. And depending on the band you're in, you often sleep in your van. You're not sleeping in a bed. And you're leaving this, you're leaving each city at late midnight. You're driving overnight. Your sleep's all fucked up. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. It's a grind. And if I were on tour, I would be like the miserable, I'd be so, I am just shocked at how like genuinely nice dudes they are, even on tour. I think that's just amazing. Well, like the, the sweetest people. It makes sense. Just like watching the doc when they were talking about how like they were close to being able to quit their jobs and just do it all the time, but they weren't quite there. And he was like, in some ways it's worse 
like to be this close but not quite there because like when you go back to work like it's just harder <laughs> it's just it's just harder and I really felt that and you got to think about it this way they're not going back home to some sort of like luxury or like this is what they really want to do that is the like the life they really want to live and what may seem like a crazy hassle and I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy obviously it's a grind but it's also romantic right you're going city to city playing music and people yeah, that li listen to your music and are into what you're fucking putting down and you're getting to hang out with them and i don't know it's like validation you know it is and also there are some people for whom that's probably the most they can ever really expect but like holy wave are the kind of people who make music that should and could be big like they could be touring musicians they could be big because they're good enough for it right like so not not every of my friends' bands is going to have that potential, but they do. I think from a pure musicianship standpoint, absolutely. They probably lack the dictatorial magnetic personality frontman person that uh, that like may... Someone like, like you could write about who does crazy things. And like AP, and, for example, yeah. right? One of those kind of lunatics that gets a ton of attention. Yeah, if they make it big, it'll be on the virtue of their own music alone, obviously. Right. Because they're so collaborative that there's no one person who outshines anyone else. Yeah, but I, what I think about is like a band like Beach House. Beach House is a pretty big band. They do their thing all the time. They put out records very regularly. They have a big fan base. They play like upscale venues. But like Victoria has that fucking voice that I think is just like, it's just one of those things where like you listen to her voice and like you're just like immediately drawn so it's I want you know I'm rooting for them I I just I also know in 2021 like what it what is like the thing that gets like attention and cuts through and it's crazy yeah. people acting crazy typically every album that they've made I have been like this is amazing but I understand that I'm not the, your average radio listener I'm yeah not, you know. <laughs> This is music for people who really appreciate musicianship and but I will say that I think that with like Interloper and they really are getting we're going to watch uh, Hell Bastards later. Cool. I think they're getting closer to the sort of stuff that like really could appeal to wider audiences and it's it's not that I'm saying it's better. I just understand that the reality is that it's more consumable to a wider group of people who aren't necessarily as cultured as us. Yeah. And it's not even, I, I would even take it like a step back. It's not, I don't even think it's like an issue of necessarily like being cultured, right? Like, it's about what is the utility of music in people's lives, right? Because one thing I've noticed is that for a lot of people, like music, the function of music in people's lives is... <laughs> Thank you, Frankie. The function of music in people's lives is get pumped up or go Wait, exercise or, or sometimes it's just, man, I just need some, like, I just, I don't want to feel what this band is like ha making me feel like I want to feel like something completely, totally different. That's why people like a lot of times I grew, like metal, like to me, it's like when I was a young, especially when I was younger, like. Just the way it makes you feel is, whoa, it's like intoxicating, right? And it's not necessarily something you feel 24-7. It's just like it invokes this like kind of aggression stuff. Like for me, it's just not necessarily a natural aggression. Like 
it helps well, me like tap into that. And I think there are some people who who use music in that way. But yeah. I don't think I'm one of them though. Yeah. Um, in fact, Chris and I were just talking about this because I was reading that. Um, you know, it, it's such a hard thing for me to put my finger on. Like when I listen to a song, sometimes it just makes me feel incredibly fucking happy, like from the inside. And I don't know what the word is for that. I think sometimes I've said like, gets the neurons firing because I don't know how else to describe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think Lewis has a different term for it, but you all know it's like that so, feeling. Yeah, like that's tingling, like. tingling. Um, like you feel your brain is expanded yeah. in some kind of way. Yeah. Right? And I was reading uh, something the other day online that said that like it actually increases serotonin it's listening to music is one of the ways that you actually can like pump your serotonin up and i was like oh that's what that feeling is because chris is definitely like other things on that list for serotonin like watching you know movies and stuff and i'm definitely like the only way i get my serotonin <laughs> is, like, mainlining whole, my holy way that's it no that's legit like that's legit like when also, i there's also single use there's also definitely like music i listen to if i'm you know trying to work out and i need to get pumped up like i have a nice tobacco playlist for that it's all this hard stuff right um, I hardly ever exercise, obviously. Yeah, I've, I've been listening to, so like, I've been doing more like video editing and stuff like that recently, and it's hard to do a lot of listening to music when you're video editing, except I've found some music that I can pair with it that works okay. And it's just like super ambient, like barely anything going on stuff, but it's amazing. There's this neoclassical composer, experimental composer, his name is William Bezinski. Just off of some, someone was just like, yo, check this person, check this out, you'll like them. I put them on and it's great. It's beautiful, it's perfect. It's what I need to do that kind of work. But just fucking listening to that in the car, driving somewhere, nah. <laughs> Doesn't quite work. It's, there's a great book out there called Your Brain Is On Music. It's a really beautiful book. Like it's a, a more scientific analysis of what is actually happening inside your brain when you're listening to music. And it's obvious like the analogy is it's like drugs. And I've felt that profoundly since I was very little. Like the way that music makes me feel is like drugs. Like it's yeah. it's intoxicating and I have to hold back. There's sometimes I can't listen to music. It's just like too much. I just can't handle it. Especially in the morning, if I have like a meeting or if I have something like that, like I can't. Like, I need to, I don't know, I need to listen to the news or some shit like that. Or like a podcast or maybe just nothing. Because I'm already charged up and I'm already like thinking like, what do I need to say? What do I need to accomplish, etc. So it's, yeah, but it is. It really does feel like that. And I feel bad. I feel sad for people that don't get that. Like, that don't, aren't so intensely affected like that. And this music, like this music for me, it just, it takes me to a place where I feel like I'm, I'm carefree and floating and maybe driving with the windows down or the top down, or I just feel like the vibe of the whole sort of scene around me. I feel like it really fits the Southwest, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, you're listening to this and, like, you just see the open horizon and the mesas and the high desert and stuff like that. Like, I think it fits really well. It pairs really well with that. And that's really cool. I'm so happy I got to listen to this in the car because I think that it made a huge difference. It does, yeah. 
this song yeah. in particular gives me case vibes, and I don't know if it's because I just have, like, it just made me think of Animal Farm, or if the vibe is Ray Davies, and I think it's both. <laughs> The vibe is Ray Davies. It yeah. feels like a kink song, definitely. I, th I thought about that when I was listening to this. I don't know, yeah, I don't know if it's that guitar line exactly, but... I think it's that. And it's the way that where they have... There's multiple vocals, which is how the kinks did things a lot of the time. There's right. like a couple of them layered or... And also just Animal Farm and such because I might have to throw that on the, on the list. <laughs> Do you guys, are you familiar with Animal Farm? I mean, the book? No, the Kink song. The Kink song, uh, Animal Farm, no. Yeah, I've heard it. I don't know why I can't think of the melody to it right now, but. Because it's really hard to think of any melody when you have a different one playing in your ear. I figured out this one. Yeah, I can't like imagine yeah. the Beatles song I'm thinking of when I'm currently listening to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Shit, so what else are we missing here? What else are we missing about this record? Shit, let me look at your guys's stuff i think I we're notes, largely I... in agreement i only yeah, made, i only, I only put five songs if i would have picked a sixth song it probably would have been sir isaac newcomb but i felt like splitting it in half would be fair i don't know i'm always trying to like put it keep it under 30 minutes too um maybe i could have snuck a six one in under 30. yeah i didn't check to see if i was under the 30 mark but... uh, no and i'm over yeah. i'm sure no big deal Let's see here. We all agreed on the Freebird. I think that's clear, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's so... <laughs> sets the tone. So yeah. yeah. It's, it's, this is an, yet another one of those records where lyrically, they could literally fucking be saying anything, and it wouldn't yeah. really matter too much. And I'm not really... In, yeah. I, I didn't... Beyond, like, she put a seed in my ear, I don't really recall, like, thinking of any of those specific lyrics. Yeah. California took my Bobby away. Okay, like, yeah. That, the, okay. That hook, that hook is, yeah. Yeah, I'll walk around the house singing that for hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, I said the California took my Bobby away sweater song, but if we're thinking about lyrics, if we're thinking about lyrics, it's like it all be sweater songs in some kind of way. It's all pretty out there. There was no spoken word parts, which I'm always on the lookout for. I, I think that this is a lot like Lotus Plaza lyrically for me is because it's, I think you're talking about something that was like profound to you or else you wouldn't be writing about it. But the, the like the vagueness in which it's being conveyed makes it hard to like really drill down into what's going on. Do you feel um, yeah. do you feel like it's a confidence thing when people don't really put the, the lyric? I, I'm sure it's part of it's an effect, but like when people don't put the lyrics in the forefront or it's do you feel like it's just I'm not really a good lyricist, let's say, and so that's just my voice is an instrument. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to. Sometimes it's definitely an aesthetic thing, but yeah, you know, that's certainly a mechanism, right? If you're not feeling that it's particularly strong, a good mechanism to deal with it is to track it down or make it a little bit more mumbled and make it about the melody and the voice right. as an instrument versus the words. So <laughs> let me diss Taylor Swift here, but it, it could be worse, right? Like you, you could, it could be like some Taylor Swift shit where the vocals or are everything and it's, yeah, yeah. And, and the lyrics are stupid and banal and like yeah. worthless, right? So she just has overconfidence in what she's saying. She thinks she's some sort of poet or whatever. And <laughs> like, at least this doesn't do that. And Maybe if I took the time to really listen to or look at Genius and look at the lyrics, I might come up, come away with something. But at least on listen, I didn't really come away with too much. 
Maybe I'm missing something. I would probably be annoyed if they overshadowed the music any more than they did with vocals. Like, I like, it's like I said with Lotus Plaza. Like, you have to be really good musically in order for this to be an acceptable course of action. But when you are, when you do have so much going for you musically, like, I don't mind if you want to bury the vocals. That's fine with me. I don't care. If you want to do yeah. the vocals as instrument, God bless you. And if they had Taylor Swift over top of this music, I'd have been mad, honestly. They also have, just real quickly, like, the lyrics are, I did look at them, and they're, like, vague, but they also have, like, moments of what seem, like, profoundity buried in there, too. Like, for uh, Western Playland, it's, it's pretty obviously a song about, like, meeting someone new and being excited about what it could be, but there's a line in there that says, we can leave all our loneliness and, and freedoms behind. And I thought, man, like that, that one kind of really stuck out to me because it's just, there's always that trade-off, right? You're always just, oh, like this could be a cool thing and there's excitement about it. But at the same time, like, I'm gonna have to give up just doing whatever I want, whenever I want without regard to some, like we're giving up freedoms, but we're also getting to leave our loneliness behind too. It, it struck me as profound, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, there's some depth to it. There's certainly more depth than the Taylor Swift album. Oh, most things have more depth. Listen, no. my living room carpet has more depth than Taylor Swift lyrics. Okay. And I got hardwood floors. I do, actually. But... <laughs> All right, guys. Sorry about that. Yeah. I, this is this is a really enjoyable album. I, I like the subtle tonal changes that happen through it. Yeah. Um, I have certainly... I've listened to some of the other stuff and I feel like it meshes right into the catalog. Like it takes a few songs before I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm on a different album now. This yes. is a different tone. Yeah, that's how I and feel. It's a good thing. I think these guys have a really good sound. And, and like you were saying earlier, it's nice to have a band that can progress within like their sound without losing the core components of it. And they also have a couple like really heavy energetic songs. There's two on the most recent album, Interloper, um, Buddhist Pete and Hell Bastards. Like they start like really exploring like some harder, more energetic stuff. We're gonna watch one video, so I'll be curious to see what you think of that one. All right. I was definitely listening to some of Interloper, but I couldn't ID the songs. It was I was doing other things. Why don't we Why don't we rate this guy? Yeah. I'm happy to begin. So, or Ryan, Alonzo. No, okay, yeah, I would say I'm happy to begin. So, I'm think I've said basically all I want to say about this. Like, from the standpoint of, I had a nice time. It was pleasant. I think it was a far better listen in the car with good speakers, loud. I'm excited to maybe hopefully see them live maybe hang out with them jenny if you can work your fucking magic we'll see that'd be super cool and uh, and yeah it was, it was really nice and also ryan and i went to that show and it just made me feel like man i think that would be a really fun show to be a fun show to watch and jenny you're damn lucky yeah four stars for me four stars out of five nice. yeah I, I i really enjoyed listening to this and their entire catalog, this album in particular. Yeah, I, it would be interesting to see how much more psychedelic this is live. I feel like the OC's concert was a lot more like dance and this is just like, like enjoy. 
Yeah, I think for me it's like a four-star album. It's it encompasses all the like all the high points of that early like '60s like psychedelic sound, fed back through like some modern sensibilities, and it's really fun. It yeah, the entire album's fantastic. It, it will stay in rotation heavily for sure. I, I made myself do it mathematically to mm. keep myself honest. Even with an album I love as much as this one, I was like, this is a five-star album. Mathematically, it actually came up to above four or five, so I feel like that's close enough. Four, seven, five, I think, is what it was closest to, if I want to be real honest. But, <laughs> man, okay. this is an album that just... And it's rare. It's rare for me to find one. That, there's not a single track on here that I would skip or if it was on, or that I would leave off a playlist. Like, they're all just so good, and it's like, level, it's just a question of, is it really awesome, or is it just like, pretty awesome? Those are the two <laughs> kinds of songs on this album for me. Yeah. And I know that this is like, this just like, digs into like, exactly what I'm looking for. It's like the most, per if you ask me to imagine like, the most perfect sound, I think this would have to be it. And it's possible to make an album with a really amazing sound, but just have the song itself fall flat. But I just am always impressed by their ability to, to keep it interesting and to keep it up there. So I hope we get to hang out with them too, or see them. I think we can probably, I, I, got, I feel good about my ability to get a ticket without having to bug them, but we'll see. We'll see what we can do. Oh, we should definitely bug them and buy them a fucking beer. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, well, stuff shit like I, that. That would be fun. If I can, if I can get them on my own, I would probably just be more along the lines of, hey, we got tickets, but also if y'all want to hang out, let us buy you beers. Let's do that. Yeah. I don't know. They work day jobs, so like, I'm trying right. to be respectful of that too. But, sure. Uh, yeah. It'd be great. And at the show, like they're gonna be milling around after. Like we'll yeah. get a chance to say hi. Yeah. We well, we shouldn't be respectful. Yeah, really cool. Should just if be I aggressive. Get tickets, I got no problem being like, hey. <laughs> nice. Okay. Cool. So, I think okay. Two things. One is we're just doing the after party for us. Two is the next thing we're gonna do. We should talk about when we're gonna do it, and. The next thing, I think it's my pick. I'm going to pick MGMT's 20-something album, Congratulations. I think it's 2009. Been wanting to do it for a while, and it's definitely a favorite of mine. I feel like it fits into this like kind of groove that we're in with Lotus Plaza and this record. When do we want to do it? Because it, two weeks from now is the week before we go. Mm -hmm. Three weeks from now is when we're there. I'm planning on bringing some equipment and like just doing some live stream stuff like from we should go to the concert talk about the show and stuff like that and things like that we could do one there where we do that or we could do it the week before i don't know what works for you guys i'm leaning towards let's just do it then there live together just because we're doing another like film contest and got to shoot it this coming week <laughs> ryan's gonna be the main actor oh <laughs> if you want to do it, we're all going to be in the same place and we're going to like have time to hang out, dedicated time to hang out. Yes. Uh, I won't have, I won't be working like during the day. So that is just a completely fine time for yeah. me. I think that'd be cool. And maybe we could have uh, Aubrey and uh, Chris be like guest. So that's all five of us. That'd be cool. They can, yeah. they can, they can talk about the most annoying things about having to live with a, someone who's doing the podcast. I mean, or they could listen to the fucking yeah. record too. That, they could also do yeah. that. 
Oh, trust me, Chris has been listening to it whether he wants to or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what yeah, that's been happening here too. Huh? How the kids feel about it? Oh, how the kids feel about this one? I think that for the most part, except for one time, they didn't remark on it. For I think for the most part, it's been when I haven't been driving them to and from school. So. At this last week, I had a pretty crazy week um, meeting folks and just ramping up this other startup. So, meeting folks and meetings at Santa Fe. We shot this. We shot some footage at the <laughs> at Device Caldera, which is basically like a caldera of an extinct volcano. Me and Ryan did, which that was insane. That was crazy. We were surrounded by an elk herd at the end of like rut. So it was just like full <laughs> elk bugling everywhere. It was really funny. So yeah, so basically most of the time I listened to it, the kids did not remark on it, which is fine. Because sometimes they're like, Daddy, we don't like this. Turn this off. Please, let's listen to something else. So you, you know. said we're, we're doing which MGMTM? Congratulations. Congratulations. Okay. Congratulations. So yeah. Chris said that he was watching some like show yesterday with his parents. Or I guess it's from New Zealand or something. And Colin Mock or Conan Moccasin started playing, and he was like, "Oh my God, that's who we we're supposed to see!" And it yeah. was really like, what? It was like Lion has to stop, so it was like the. <laughs> I was like, make him watch the music video, or or don't, honestly. But yeah. You know. Oh, and by the way, I found just I found this here. Let me show you guys. I found this. I made a playlist. I found this channel, and it's a guy that does indie karaoke for like just i picked out some songs from his channel he has like way more in there but like we could definitely do this song it was following etc etc so we could do that and it's really cool it's this is an enormous channel like hundreds of these and he does he does like he's i think he's been doing it for three or four years and he does i don't know three or four a week or something like that so it's crazy but anyway so that's cool